When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. It's Friday, December 17th, 2021. I'm Maggie Lake. And here with me today is Jim Bianco, president of Bianco Research. Hey, Jim, happy Friday. Yeah, happy Friday to you. One week before Christmas. Yeah, but it's kind of a weird Friday, right? Like we've got we've got so many. We were just talking about the fact it's not slowing down at all. We just have so many things going on and, and you know, not turmoil in the market, but definitely feels a little more volatile and unsettled. You know, we had a sell-off again in equities and they're selling off into the close, which is never a great sign. Although today it's almost flipped from yesterday. The NASDAQ, which had been getting smoked, holding steady, trying to keep its head above positive territory. The Russell was rebounding and it was the, the Dow and the S&P taking it on the chin. The Dow, I think, closing near its lows. Uh, 500 some points, more than 1%. The S&P also about at 1% or three quarters. 10-year yield dipping, holding around 139, 140. And we've got cryptocurrencies down of Ethereum, 4%, Bitcoin, something like three, three and a half. And uh, headlines of things getting canceled. Not Christmas yet, but the NFL canceling three games. I know that was, that just crossed not long ago. And, you know, everyone upset about that, not to mention the party's getting canceled and virtual. So there's just a lot to take in here. Um, we'll try to get through as much as we can, but let's start with this year-end action we're seeing um, with equities. What do you make of this selling, especially technology really getting slammed? Yeah, for, you know, let's start bigger picture here with uh, what you see in the stock market. Um, you could divide the world into two groups, eight stocks, which are the FANG stocks, Tesla, Microsoft, and NVIDIA, and everything else. The and everything else has not been performing very well over the last you know couple of weeks, over the last few months or so. It's been those big fang. And by the way, the fang stocks, Tesla, Nvidia, Microsoft, eleven trillion dollars in market cap. That would be the second largest stock market in and of itself if those eight yeah. were listed separately. That's how big they are. So this has been one of the narrowest rallies we've ever seen. You mentioned that the Russell has been rebounding. Russ at the same level was had in June. It's been yeah. just an awful performer before. Yeah, today. when I say rebounding, I just say not falling with everything else, right? That is just right, not right. anticipating. Yeah. Right. And then in, in tech land, um, you know, in tech land, you know, people get a little head faked. Oh, look at how terrible tech is. And they go, well, uh, I looked at the, the fang stocks, they seem to be okay. Look at the non-profitable tech or the okay, art if stocks. this is the blue line, I think if we're looking at this chart that we have, right. I don't know if it's the, up or not, right? But this is that's horrible looking. It down 30% since June is what that is, where the FANG stocks are essentially unchanged, but underperforming the overall stock market as well, too. This has been a brutal period for the speculative technology stocks um, as well. But like I said, if you're not a FANG stock, if you're not in that group of that magic eight group or so, uh, elite eight, if you want to call it that, it's really been a difficult market. Uh, to to go forward from here, and especially if you start meandering away from the United States, uh, especially as you get closer to China, the China market has been just awful 
um, right, you know, over the last yeah. several months as well, too. So when people go, let's look at the message of the market. Okay, there's eight stocks, and then there's everything else, and everything yeah, and by else. By the way, Jim, when you say non-profitable tech, that sounds weird, right? Like, why would anybody inv be investing in it anyway? But but that's not unusual because you're kind of looking for growth, right? You're reaching for companies that may be either reinvesting or early in their development, so they're not really profitable, but they're showing a lot of sort of hope or you're, you're, that's what you're guessing. So it's not that, you know, this drop justifies that. It's just that people are turning away from having trust that they're ever going to materialize or maybe trying to have a hard time sifting out what was a speculative guess in a pandemic world where we accelerated digital digitization maybe by five years. Um, and then what's going to be sticky and maybe is the next big company. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, the nuance there is it's referred to as non-profitable, not unprofitable. Yeah. Now, it doesn't mean that it's incapable of creating profits, but you're right that in the early stages of all these startup technology companies, they're not expected to make money. And so that's why they're put in this non-profitable category. And then you hope that they graduate into profitable companies um, along the way. So yes, this isn't that these are permanently broken companies that are incapable of making money. They're just early stage. But, but what does that not. tell us when we look at that, that decline over six months? What is that signaling? Well, I think it's two things. <laughs> One, it is the natural correction to the gigantic run-up that these stocks had in 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to say that every correction is a function of the previous advance. Well, when you went up three or four X in yeah. 2020, you're not going to have a 5% correction. You're going to have a 25% <laughs> correction when you, when one does materialize. And that's what's, and that's what's happened as well too. So some of it is that some of it also is that the marketplace might be losing its appetite for taking on speculative investments mm -hmm. as well too. And I know we'll talk about this later. Um, if you're deep into the crypto rabbit hole, you're probably a little bit frustrated too, because if you look at the price of Bitcoin or Ethereum, man, it's not very much different than where it was six months ago. Yeah, yeah uh, you know what? Let, let's let's go ahead and, and do that right now, because I have so many questions about tech and about the macro picture. But since you mentioned that, we do have a lot of people, and it's we have a lot of people who saw what happened in those markets, got really excited, started dipping their toe in, and then you, you were on last week. First of all, you were on last week, and you were pessimistic. And we certainly see see what's happened since then. But when I, when we were last on, I think it was last week, um, you also were really frustrated that cryptocurrencies, these digital currencies, which seem like an a, an alternative asset for your portfolio, seem to be moving, you know, in lockstep with risk assets and in lockstep with you know the the riskier part of the equity market. How are you viewing this? Because we are still seeing them. They're not falling out of bed. They're kind of stabilized where they are at this range. If you look at Bitcoin and Ethereum, and there are a lot more, we're just going to concentrate on those two because they're the biggest. But um, how are you feeling right now about that? It's still frustrated. And to be clear, I mean, I'm a holdler. I, I own them and I'm not going to sell them anytime soon. But I get a lot of questions, especially on Twitter from people saying, well, if the stock market does X or Y, what do you expect Bitcoin to do? And I was like, man, that is the wrong question. You know, because what you're implying is that the that that crypto is now just become a highly volatile version of the stock market. Yeah. I don't need it to be a highly volatile version of the stock market. I can go buy the stock market on leverage or sell a triple inverse uh, ETF 
and skip Bitcoin altogether or skip Ethereum altogether. What I'd really like them to be is zero correlated to the stock market mm -hmm. to have their own cycle as well. But if they're going to start to assume the cycle of the larger macro market, <clears throat> then I think they event if that occurs over a long period of time, they lose their appeal because all they are is just an alternative. They're not the alternative to the current financial system. They become an extension of it. And that's kind of what we don't want them to be. Now, yeah. that's been happening now, and maybe it continues for another week or month or something like that. And that's okay. But if it if this is, no, this is the way it's supposed to trade, I don't think that that's a good thing. That's what I meant by my frustration with it yeah. is I expected it to be zero correlated, not highly correlated with uh, whatever the S&P 500 happens to do that day or that week. Yeah, that, that's a great point, uh, Jim. And I think a lot of people share that frustration. I was thinking a lot about it because I think we actually talked right before I headed to Las Vegas for the Real Vision Takeover event. And it was interesting. I asked people there about that and there was a lot of discussion. And we also constantly get asked about how to under, better understand this space. Um, and it was it, it was great when we were there and talking about all of this. Um, Raul uh, Powell, uh, the the co-founder of Real Vision, as you all know, and Kevin Kelly made a really big announcement um, related to that. Real Vision is going to be uh, teaming up with Delphi Digital uh, to create a new crypto research service, um, which literally just launched last night. Rob was talking about it yesterday on the Ask Me Anything uh, he did with Real Vision members. Let's have a listen to how he described it. I reached out to Kevin because I kept picking his brains. I even got him to write articles for me for Global Macro Investor because I was outside of my knowledge base. I'm like, Kevin, why don't we do something for the Real Vision community? Why don't we create that kind of ultra high quality crypto product and kevin is a real vision fanatic anyway and he's like well i'm a subscriber to real vision pro and macro insiders he said what i think we need is a crypto insiders product a crypto pro and i'm like you're dead right what we're trying to do is help people who really want to get to know the space so we've teamed up and we're launching it which is this whole pro crypto tier of membership and it'll dovetail in you know if you're a pro member you'll get a discount um but for everybody there's going to be a huge discounted launch you can probably pay in crypto we're just finalizing that now so that's great so it won't cost you you know much in terms of eth and what also is really interesting is we're going to launch it with an nft and what the nft is is everybody's heard me talking about our web three vision and tokenizing real vision and building asset management or brokerage and all of these community-driven things, research. Well, we talked about the Affen before, the apes with guns. They're part of our community, but they're not from us. But that's great because that's how communities now work. We, we're not in control. But now we're going to launch an NFT that's going to come with this. The community is going to design the NFT, and we're going to lean on them to help us develop our Web3 future. And, you know, that's when we tokenize Real Vision, all of that. If you go to realvision.com forward slash pro crypto, get on the wait list as fast as you can, because then you get involved in these founder NFTs, the whole community that's going to help us build Web3, and you're going to get the best crypto research in the world. Hey, everyone, we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's jump back in and hear the day's top analysis. Awesome stuff. So for those of you who are not familiar uh, with Kevin Kelly uh, and the team at Delphi, they're really one of the premier cryptocurrency research firms. He's the one that Raul turns to actually to help him understand the space. So that should give you an idea of the level of knowledge. He's actually also as tall as Raul. We were laughing hysterically looking at them. In fact, I think there's a picture of him, another one of my colleagues, Elaine and Raul. Like all these people are really tall, which is crazy. Um, But anyway, um, we're super excited about the collaboration. Um, We think it's going to help a lot of people. So for more information, you can go to realvision.com backslash pro crypto, realvision.com backslash pro crypto. You can find out information. There's an early adopter offer um, and a Real Vision NFT, if I'm not mistaken, super cool stuff and some offers, but I think they're limited in Maybe it closes on the 23rd, so you're going to want to check it out. Um, And you can also, I'm sure, find information on our Twitter feed as well um, or post on the exchange if you need help. Um, So, Jim, you know, uh, are you expecting this back to what back to what we were talking about? Were you are you expecting the correlation that you're seeing that frustrates you um, to decouple as we go into 2022? Do you think it was just a product of this kind of weird time we're in right now coming out of the pandemic and kind of shifting out of that quantitative easing, um, extraordinary measures that were put in place? Or is this something that's going to be a little stickier that we're going to grapple with as the industry matures from this very early stage? Now, I expect it to decouple. I, you know, it'll last for a couple of more weeks, a month or two. But I think the reason that everybody's focused on it is there's one giant narrative that undertoads everything in the market right now. The Fed is pivoting towards a more hawkish stance. The Fed is looking like they're getting ready to raise interest rates, reduce, you know, do the taper, raise interest rates, potentially reduce their balance sheet as Governor Waller hinted at earlier today as well, Mm -hmm. too. And so all of that matters for the economy, inflation, financial markets. The 22 election is even wrapped up in that as well, too. So it seems like everything is kind of focused on this one story. This will get resolved one way or the other. The Fed will hawkishly pivot, and then we'll have to price that in, or they won't. And we'll price that in, and then we might see the correlation start to drift away. But for right now, it's really all about that one story, is that what's the Fed going to do? They're going to raise rates. How aggressive are they going to raise rates? Yeah. We got a great question from Oliver on the exchange that covers a lot of this. Um, And they're asking, what's your outlook for economic growth in a world of less stimulus and possibly higher rates? And do you think we will see more stimulus in 2022 after weakness shows? So that, that gets to this really interesting dynamic on how the Fed is going to handle this. It's a tricky job they have. Yeah. So, I, you know, this is a great question because it, it, it comes to the intersection of a lot of things. Um, the, the, the Fed is looking to pivot, as I mentioned, towards being more hawkish, potentially raise rates. The belief by a lot of people, and this is what got us going Wednesday higher, is, yeah, the Fed will 
maybe raise rates, it'll be hawkishly pivoted. But don't worry. Anything that upsets the apple cart, anything the market doesn't like, the Fed will apologize and immediately stop. <laughs> because the and, and you get that hint coming through from Oliver. We've been conditioned to understand that that's what will happen. Right. We have been conditioned to understand that's what happened because that's what has happened for the last 13 years. But there's a new dynamic in this inflation. And this whole argument about whether or not it's transitory or persistent, I've been pretty adamant that it's persistent and it's going to stay persistent. But let me talk about what if... The, what if inflation comes and the Fed says, well, we can't really raise rates that aggressively because the stock market might not like it? What's the downside? Where, where's the consequence? The consequence is in politics. If you look at the polling data, and I'm going to say this nonpartisanly, for the, for the majority party, which happens to be the Democrats, they're getting killed in the polling data right now. And they're getting killed because the public is saying Without question, the number one issue in the country is not Omicron, it's not COVID, it's inflation. They are very, very upset about inflation. Now, go back and read about where they were in the 70s about inflation. That's where they are right now. So here's the thing. And, and inflation, the, you know, we used to say in the news, it's a pocketbook issue, right? You can talk right. about economic issues and you can talk about the changing workforce. and all that. When you go to the gas pump and you're, you're to fill up your tank, it, it costs double what it did, or you're tacking on another hat. You feel that immediately. That is money out of your wallet that you can't spend on other things. Same thing with your grocery bill, you know, housing, you name it. Those, those are real cost items for consumers that they feel. So it's understandable that it's feeding through to the political discourse. Yeah. And keep in mind too, 40% of the country does not have a stock portfolio or own the house they live in. They have no savings or very little savings and they rent. So when those prices go up at the gas pump or the grocery store, they just get less full stop. There's no there's no cushion. There's no cushion. You, me, a lot of people watching this. All right. We might be in the same position from our paycheck wise. Oh, but my stocks went up. My house has increased in value. So we're a little bit less agitated about that. So what I was going to say was for those that say, well, the Fed can never get aggressive in raising rates because the stock market might not like it. Then the Democrat Party gets slaughtered. And there are already rumors in Washington that the sacrifice will be Janet Yellen in 2022. We'll blame her for inflation, throw her out the door. And by the way, if you want a, a quick crypto aside to that, Gensler is already positioning himself to be the heir apparent. But let's be let's be real here. This is you know a white guy that wants to become Treasury Secretary in this administration, so he has to appease uh, Liz Warren, uh, Elizabeth Warren. Uh, in order to uh, get her blessing, if he wants to be Treasury Secretary, he's going to come down even harder on crypto. Yeah, and that, for inside baseball, Elizabeth Warren is is seen as uh, for those who who don't follow it very closely, very anti Wall Street and certainly anti. We're very worried about consumer protection, and um, has been tough on on the crypto space. So Jim's suggestion is that the the trade off is he will come down very hard so that he can get access into the job he wants. That's a lot of that's very uh, House of Cards uh, pr prediction. Yeah, it is it is it is but House of Cards. But I you know I wanted to just emphasize this yeah. idea. There is a downside. Oh, we can't upset the stock market. Well, listen, if you well, if you the, take the politics out of it, 
the, the inflation, fighting inflation, price stability is the Fed's mandate. We just have been in a deflationary period. And so, you know, there have been plenty of economists, plenty of people around who have been very vocal about the fact that they're concerned about the Fed's policy toward inflation, who have nothing to do with politics. So there's a real economic concern on that front as well. I think Oliver's getting to a very good question, which is uh, what happens to the to the economy and growth and demand if they if they get too aggressive too soon. Yeah, so <clears throat> or if the bond market front runs them on that, Jim, because that right. can happen I, too. Few people I remember think, bond vigilantes, but sometimes the bond market does the work of the Fed well before the Fed ever gets around to it. Exactly. And I think the bond market's doing that work right now with the in the short end. Yeah, but in the also in the flattening of the yield curve. Okay. The market is one of the interesting things about this period right now. People ask me, where am, where am I with the Fed? And I say three and a half rate hikes next year, three rate hikes, possibly a fourth. Wow. You're on the you're on the outlier over there, you know, being very aggressive. No, that's actually what the market's priced in. Yeah. And that's that's an un, what's an unusual period about now is the market pricing is an outlier versus consensus opinion. That's almost not, it's rarely the case, but it is now. No one believes the Fed's going to go three or four times next year. And the market does. And I think the market understands they have no choice but to do something about inflation. And if the stock market has to be sacrificed, eh, then the stock market has to be sacrificed. Remember, consumer confidence is an 11-year low. It's an 11-year low, and the stock market made new highs two days ago. The public already thinks the economy's terrible. So if you tell them, you give them headlines in the first quarter, stock market down 10%, well, what, what took it so long? That's kind of basically what their view is going to be. We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on Real Vision Daily Briefing. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to Real Vision's Daily Briefing. Let's jump back in and hear the day's top analysis. But, if right. you but, but would it only be 10%? This is where I wonder, because as much as there is, and this is, a, I think, a fact that people miss, you mentioned it before, there is not large-scale uh, stock ownership in the U.S. It feels like there is. However, there is now a link between the health of the stock market. We saw what happened when asset markets fall out of bed and the financial system gets caught up in counterparty risk. People may not understand exactly the the block, you know, the domino effect, but they know that it was horrible in 2002. The financial crisis involved stocks falling out of bed too. Um, and so there is a there is a feeling and it's all over the news. The Dow is down 500 points, a Dow, you know. And so then there's a sense that things aren't going well too. So that can become a political issue, a problem as well. So you, you, they're almost in a no-win situation. Do they let prices inflate? That's bad and gets people upset. Do they let, let the stock market fall, the financial system? There's a lot of leverage. We have more retail players in than ever. That's bad. It's not a great choice. Right. And, and really, it comes down to the mistake that they made was the word transitory, and they stuck with that way too long. <clears throat> Maybe if they started tapering six or nine months ago, Maybe we already had one rate hike in 
that they might have, uh, you know, that we might be in a different situation, that they could they could benefit both at the same time. Mm. You know, th- th- now everybody's hoping that they could pull an inside straight and find that magic path that will help bring in inflation, help but not hurt the stock market. Boy, that's a tough one. If anybody knows anything about poker, pulling an inside straight is like <laughs> the hardest thing in the world to do. It's technically possible, but practically you don't even expect it to to, to happen at to that happen. point. I think there's, I think there's like a bowling move that's also really, really hard. And I can't remember it. Some young kid did it. I'm not a bowler, but some young kid did it. It's hitting some kind of crazy combination and it rarely happens. Um, but let, let's talk. It's, it's so easy to get sort of really concerned and down on this. Let's talk about um, something positive for a moment that might help them. Maybe um, you do have the prospect. I mean, Washington's a mess, but you have the prospect for some sort of fiscal stimulus coming through still, maybe. And I just had a really interesting conversation today with Jason Sue um, of Raliant, and that's going to air. Uh, it's all, it was all about China, and that's going to air on the platform, I think, next Wednesday. Um, I suggest watching it. He said something that was really interesting to me, that um, China is a big part of the global economy. They've been very reluctant to stimulate um, and really step on the gas there because they've been dealing with the property sector bubble and they did not want money fueling, reinflating those bubbles they're trying so hard to pop. He feels like phase one is done. They put regulation in place that will prevent that from happening. So they may m- be more predisposed to stimulate and strengthen their economy today. Can, c- might the Fed get some sort of tailwind from either of those areas to help cushion the demand side of the economy um, if they are in a process of sort of weaning us off the accommodative stance? Well, not to be a, a Johnny Downer here, but uh, no, yes, if they were- uh, Hell no. no they, <laughs> yeah. Let me, look, three things. First of all, part of the thing about inflation, Greg Yip in the Wall Street Journal had a perfect, great piece on this last week. Everybody who talks about inflation likes to think it's either a supply problem or a demand problem. You know, it's too much stimulus. By the way, asking about the supply chain issues. Yes. The answer is it's both. It's a rare instance when it's both. We have record demand right now, and we've got a supply chain problem, which, by the way, is not getting better um, right now. The number of ships anchored off of Los Angeles, the highest it's ever been is today. It's not getting better. What they've been doing is they've been playing, I've been saying this on this platform and others, they've been playing with the numbers. Everybody says, oh, the number of ships offshore is the signal of the supply chain problem. Move them 150 miles over the horizon there. You can't see them problem solved. No, it's actually worse, but you can't see the ships. So a lot of people have assumed that the problem is getting better, but it really hasn't. On the demand side, um, I'd like to use the, you know, what's happened on the demand side is our our preferences, our purchasing preferences have changed. And that's probably because of COVID. The lockdowns gave us extra money. The stimulus gave us extra money. The way we spend our we spend changes. We're buying stuff, stuff, durable goods in record amounts. That's why there's 96 ships anchored off of Los Angeles to get that stuff from Los, uh, from Asia in here. And so, what we're going to see is that is that is going to continue even if we see some kind of a slowdown in the economy. People are still going to pick up their phone and they're going to order boxes from Amazon. And that's where the Fed could come in with raising rates to try and cool that demand. So I'm not worried about slowing demand, at least not yet. The problem is demand is too strong in certain areas. Now, a lot of people say, well, don't worry, we're going to shift back to services. Okay, two things about that. One, 
the reason that we're buying so much stuff is the biggest event of of this generation was last year we were all sent home for a year a lot of things have changed our purchasing patterns have permanently changed i don't know what they are all I know is don't look to 2019 and think that that's what we're doing anymore when it comes to purchasing. And we, and we like to look ahead. That's what we do here. And, you know, to that point, it is that, you know, some of the trends that may have come have been accelerated by five years. You know, talk to anybody in the digital space um, and and how we operate, how we work, you know, what the future right. work looks like. Work, so some of home. this. Some of this will work. be stick. We don't know yet, though, what it's going to look like. So so in that unknown. um are you long anything? What do you like here as you try to look out to 2022? How are you positioning? Well, I am positioned you know, for a couple of things. One, I do think that the yield curve will continue to flatten, and maybe by mid-year, it might even be close to zero. I was going to say, unfortunately, the Fed is very, very skilled at doing something, and that is raising rates too much till they break something. And so what I'm talking about, that they're forced to raise rates, they might break something. It might be the economy, it might be the stock market. Why is the long end at 139 or 140? Why is it kind of meandering down as the short end keeps going up? Because the they know flat? they're going to break something. They're going to break something. That's what the signal from the market is. And that they might have no choice. Well, why would they break it? Because they have no choice. They cannot not deal with inflation. We haven't seen this for 40 years. And they also, tried- they've been the only game in town. Any other part that's supposed to pick up, they're not supposed to be the be-all, end-all. There's supposed to be one one mechanism. We've had absolutely nothing, n- no ability to do anything but break and destroy things coming from the other side, which is supposed to be fiscal, which translates to Washington. So any smart ability to to, to sort of offset doesn't exist, as far as I can tell. Right. And as far as the fiscal stimulus goes, what was the big Washington story of the last 24 hours? The Build Back Better bill has been Postponed. pushed to 2022. Yep. Now, the reason it's been pushed to 2022 is Joe Manchin won't vote for all that spending. What did Joe Manchin cite as one of the reasons inflation. or two of the reasons? Inflation and Powell's testimony. He's so afraid of overspending and creating inflation. He's killed it off right now. Right. Is that going to get better in January? Oh, but now all of a sudden we still have inflation, but now I want to spend money. So there's, you know, the idea that we're going to get fiscal stimulus, it's 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 a lot harder than you think. And one of the reasons that's happened is another Washington thing. What do you never hear a story about? You never hear a story that President Biden is sat down with Mitch McConnell or Kevin McCarthy, the minority, you know, the House and the Senate uh, Democrat Republicans, and said, "Hey, guys, in Build Back Better, what what Republican thing can we stick in there to get get five yeah. Republican?" Oh, votes I mean, like Repu- you can't even. You, I mean, you know, we can't even. We'll we'll all be. Uh, thank God it's close to happy hour. We'll all be depressed if we talk about Washington. So, what do you do, right. Jim? That's what. What do we so, do with our money? So I think how, the, what, how, you know, what are you doing for, for as we shift into the new year with all these uncertainties? Fed's gonna, the Fed's going to raise rates some, uh, as the market expects, which is more than people think. The yield curve is going to flatten maybe to zero, which would signal a infl- uh, recession. But that would only be at the middle of next year, not right away. So I'd be playing for a flattening yield curve um, from here. I would be playing for more inflation because I think that as – because the, the other thing we haven't talked about is Omicron and COVID. It is spiking – in Europe, it is out of control in places like South Africa and the U- U- UK, and it's now starting to spike in South Korea and in Vietnam. 
In Asia, two things about Asia. They use the Sinopec uh, or the Sinovax vaccine, which the studies have said offer no protection against Omicron. There was a Hong Kong study that came out uh, two days ago that said that. And second of all, they have zero COVID uh, uh, policies. So if like two Supply people get chain sick- Supply chain problems will persist. Yes. They're going to shut everything down. They do in China all the time. So if the supply chain slows down a little bit more, you're going to have to pay a little bit more for that Amazon box. So basically, we're looking at inflation. So I'd be playing all the inflation plays, commodities, um, cyclicals, inflation-sensitive stocks, um, you know, uh, real rate bonds, and the, and the like, especially because everybody still is on this transitory kick. It appears uh, Bank of America put out a study uh, or a fund manager survey, excuse me, uh, on Wednesday, and so did CNBC. And both of them said the majority of respondents still think this week, still think inflation is transitory. So we have not priced in persistent inflation yet. So if you think inflation is persistent, then if you play the plays of persistent inflation, commodities, cyclicals, inflation beneficiaries, real rate bonds, there's still more pricing to come in those bonds. There's still more juice to be gotten out of that. It is not completely priced in yet that inflation is a bigger issue than people think. Yeah, it's it's going to be, um, you know, I, I don't know that anybody's going to get any rest over this holiday period as we try to sort of figure out all of these cross currents because it's difficult. But as always, Jim, we appreciate your advice. We appreciate your insights. It gives us a lot of things to think about as we um, wrap our head around what our portfolio might look like and really all of the areas of the market that we're going to have to watch so closely. So thank you so much. Thank you. Happy holidays to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year's to everybody as well, too. Absolutely. Thanks, Jim. And um, of course, the conversation continues on the exchange. You can hit Jim on Twitter or post on the exchange. And if you have any thoughts about anything, there's a lot of information we crammed in this one today, but you're going to need it. Um, so feel free to do that. And for any information about the new uh, cryptocurrency research product that we're releasing, again, you can go to realvision.com backslash Pro Crypto to find out what Raul and Kevin Kelly uh, and the Delphi team are up to and how to sign up um, and the deadlines on that. In the meantime, enjoy your weekend. We didn't mean to leave it on a negative note, right? Information is power. So take it, enjoy the weekend, enjoy your family and holidays. We will be back next week uh, for the daily briefing. So we're not going to leave you uh, without information as we head to the new year. So enjoy, take care and good luck out there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.